0: Does God ever lie? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Brian DeBozik, and with me is Aaron Armstrong. Does God ever lie? Hmm, let's think about this one deeply for a nanosecond. Nope. No, of course not. God is truthful. (laughs) And that is the essential doctrine that we are talking about today. But while this one is pretty straightforward, I think there's a a little nuance or two that will be fun and important for us to explore as as we get into it. So uh, without further ado, let's just do that. Uh, Aaron, as always, if you could help us out by reading the essential doctrine, and then we'll go from there. Sounds good. When we talk about God being truthful, here's what we mean. The scriptures are clear that in
1: God there is no falsehood. God represents things as they really are. Everything he says can be trusted because God guarantees the truth of everything he tells us. The call for humans to be honest and not to bear false witness is rooted in the utter truthfulness of our creator. Telling the truth is one of the ways that we bear the image of God whose son is the way the truth
0: and the life. So even in that essential doctrine, we see half of it is pretty much uh, dedicated to how we should live in light of this doctrine. Right, it's
1: implications of yeah, it yeah. because the
0: doctrine is pretty straightforward. So it, you know, usually it's really helpful for us to kind of streamline this one. Maybe not as much, but for consistency, I would streamline this one by saying that God is true. He cannot lie and here's what I would add that that I think is an important uh, clarification. He cannot lie or make a mistake in what he says um, because lie has intentionality behind it but God he can't even misspeak by accident if you will. Um, he, everything he says is true and is reliable and, th- and that's important. So what are some places we see this in Scripture?
1: Well, there's a lot of different places. We know from from John's gospel, Jesus refers to himself as the way, the truth, and the life. Titus 1-2, in his introduction, he reads, he says, uh, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of of eternal life that God who cannot lie promised before time began and then he continues. That's just him dropping that little bomb yeah. or like right in his like hey guys good to he- nice to talk to you. Kind of gives you a hint of what he's going to talk about yeah. in his letter to Titus. In Hebrews 6:18 we uh we see see this show up again. If you back up to verse 17, it says because God wanted to to show his unchangeable purpose Even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath so that through two unchangeable things in which... It is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. And of course, we see it again in John 17, 17, where he says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Those are just
0: some of them, and there are a lot more that we could talk about. Yeah. So let's move on um, and talk about any cautions with understanding this doctrine. I'll start with the first one and it's this: we've addressed this I think from time to time but I think it deserves mention again here that we will often say in general that God can do anything and that's not quite correct um, God cannot do anything because anything includes lying and we see here God cannot lie so when people say this, they might assume the necessary context that it demands, that God can do anything within his character or according to his revealed will. But we have to be careful, depending on who we're talking to, not to make that assumption, uh, especially if you're interacting with kids or maybe a newer believer. Um, we want to make sure that, that we say this clearly, that God can do anything according to his character or revealed will. So here, for example, we see that God cannot lie. We know that God cannot stop being God. He cannot not be him. So we also know he cannot not be love. Um, He can't stop loving. He always has to love because he is love. Uh, he cannot flood the entire world again because he promised not to. So there, those are just four or five things off the top of my head that he cannot do. And that last one should really give us hope for 2020, by the way. <laughs> yes, without a doubt. But the, these are all examples of things that he cannot do because they would violate his character or revealed will. Along with
1: that as well, there's something that's very important when we think about scripture and God's word being truth, because... The scriptures are inerrant; they are without error in everything that they teach. However, scripture also includes narrative, and in its narratives, there are people who say things that are not true. Yes. So, what it is? So you can't. Um, so what you can't do is you can't say, well, because the scriptures faithfully record. Sins and lies and se- et cetera. That it that it's therefore not true. No, it is faithfully recording sins and lies and etc. cetera. <laughs> um, you know, think about Genesis three four, just as the as one of the first examples. Um, you know, you could actually back it up and actually go to uh, what the woman says to the serpent um, as well. But the serpent says, um, "No, you will not certainly die," as the retort to the re- retort to uh, God having said that if you eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Now, you could also make the argument that the first lie that we see before is the woman saying, nor shall you touch it. (laughs) But... That's a whole nother, whole nother conversation.
0: That's a fun discussion of when sin actually first occurred.
1: But we have to recognize that regardless, the statement by the serpent that is faithfully recorded is a lie because God didn't say it. The serpent did. And God inspired its faithful recording.
0: Yeah, and I think this is something where most of us probably don't wrestle with this. I think some people listening might now might be saying, guys, what are you talking about? Are you parsing something or trying to create an issue that isn't really there? I understand this. Um, And that may be true, and I hope it is. But I think this really comes into an apologetics lens, that this is something that has been used and will continue to be used against Um, god by those skeptics and critics who would say how can you believe a bible when it has lies in it Um, and that's the the argument is whether it's explicit or implicit the argument is therefore god's a liar and that's that's why it's so important we understand this no god faithfully recorded lies told by others at times in scripture Um, in light of this i think there's other one other issue and it's we need to be careful not to misrepresent god um, and, and do this in a way to, uh, to cling to a promise and his trustworthiness where he has not promised or spoken or if we misspeak. So we can either add, we can speak something he did not and try to hold him accountable to be trustworthy to it. And that's not fair, nor reasonable, nor wise, nor safe. Or we can contort what he said, kind of like what Satan the serpent was doing in Eden. And I think all you need to do is remember Deuteronomy 18, 17 through 22, where where it's recorded the test of a true prophet. And near the end of that, it says, hey, a prophet will speak the truth. And the prophet who presumes to speak a message in, in God's name that he's not commanded him to speak, that God has not commanded, or speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet must die. So this is serious. God takes his fame, he takes his word seriously, of course. Um, And so we too need to do that. We need to be very careful uh, about how we speak, what we say. We need to test what other people say. Uh, This is one of the things, you know, um, as as I've been a pastor, as I've preached, uh, I get to preach occasionally now in my church where I'm a member, I want people to test what I say. I can misspeak. Um, I can make a mistake. I can say something dumb. I want them to test it. I don't want them just whatever I say to to, accept it. I'm not God. I am fallible. Um, And so that is what our due duty as believers is to test the words of others and make sure that they align with what God has truly said. Let's dig into an example
1: of this too, because, um, I mean, you're absolutely right. People misrepresent what God's word says all the time. And, um, you know, and this is a, this is a passage in, uh, first Samuel 16 that often gets used as, as an attempt at a defeater argument against the truthfulness of God. And so here's the, here's just the gist of this, um, In uh, starting in verse one, it says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have selected for myself a king from his sons. Samuel asked, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord answered, take a young cow with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll tell you. Uh, and i will let you know what you're to do you're to uh to anoint for me the one i indicate to you and so he goes to bethlehem and when and when he meets the elders of the town they tremble and ask do you come in peace basically because they know he's a prophet and they're afraid that you know basically he's about to judge them i'm come in peace he replied I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And then he sacri- then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. Um, and so, what's interesting here is is because he's going specifically to anoint ultimately David as the next king. People will say, "Well, God was being God was encouraging Samuel to lie," but here's the thing: not telling. Everything that you're doing is not a lie. Unless
0: you're trying to deceive intentionally.
1: Yes. Unless you're intentionally trying to deceive. What Samuel did was true. He brought a young cow with him. He went to make a sacrifice. He invited Jesse and his sons to the sacrifice. All of that was what God said to do. And he said, you can say all of that. There's no actual lie there at all. And so this doesn't fall into the category of white lies or any of these kinds of things. This is just, it's, it's a detail that he says not to say, he doesn't even say, don't say anything about it. He just says, tell him this, that is true. We know from reading the text that there's more going, that's going on. And Samuel knows that there's more going on, but it's not, but it's not a sin
0: and it's not a lie. Now, that's a good good illustration of that. So let's move on to our, our last kind of uh, piece of discussion, and it's what difference this doctrine should make. And, and let me take a run at this and, and see if you have anything to add, because, again, this one's pretty straightforward. We've kind of hit on everything. Um, but this doctrine, of course, enables us to trust in God completely because he is true. He's trustworthy, also trusting in Scripture that we've talked about. Um, and then back to the essential doctrine, Uh, Again, about half of it, I I would guess, was dedicated to our right response. And it's that we should be trustworthy people reflecting God to this world. And that's in big things and small things. You know, Aaron, you just mentioned uh, white lies. Uh, and, And I think we really need to be a people who fight for integrity and to be known as truth tellers no matter what. Now, there are many interesting conversations you can have about this, many scenarios. Well, what about uh, in the military, the, the the POW, should that person give away the battle plans? And I mean, there are many different implications. Those are important to think about. They're fun to think about. But in day-to-day life, that's not how it works. <laughs> I've never been captured and asked battle plans before. Um, instead for me, I, I, I need the fight to be known as a man of integrity and speaking the truth, reflecting Jesus as the essential doctrine says, who is the way, the truth and the life. So some big differences can, is there anything else that you can think to add to that or? No,
1: I mean, I think that that's, I think that's an important thing. Um, it's, but I mean, here's the thing, the big things are actually easier to be truthful about. Yeah. Yeah, it's the small things. You're right. And so, actually, this is um, this is actually something that my wife and I were talking about. Is is that it's like you know, I I want to be an honest person. Um, I I always want to be an honest person. Um, I'm sometimes a little bit too honest about my opinion, but there are also patterns of behavior that we pick up along the way, at like from you know the environment we grow up in, as you know that that have have consequences that in effect have us lying about things. Um, Some people don't know that they're actually lying when they're lying either, because they're just, they've grown up in an environment of lying. And so lying is just natural. Yeah. Um, And so there's, there's some complicated stuff that starts happening when you start really thinking about the implications of this.
0: Well, and again, I think, and you mentioned this uh, when you were talking about the Samuel uh, passage, and and I think this is an important point to make as well. Being truthful doesn't mean you need to say everything you you want to say, um, because we don't want to use being truthful as a reason to be untactful. Um, You know, I'm thinking of, there are many meetings we're in at work where it's wise for me not to say something. (laughs) I don't have to be this, all right, I'm going to tell the truth no matter what, and just say things that... Don't need to be said at times. So yep, yeah. Let's let's not let this be a reason to be jerks.
1: And that's a key thing is is that this is a truth that ultimately helps us honor our fellow image bearers. Um, it's not one that should be you that can be used um, with integrity to bludgeon them and and be harmful. Yeah, don't let truth be a hammer.
0: Twitter, are yeah. you
1: listening? No, they just canceled you. I'm no, sorry, they
0: did cancel culture. All right, let's wrap up there. Uh, no more truth-telling for us so we don't get in any more trouble as we dial into Twitter. That's, never That's a safe. right. It's
1: been great working with you, Brian. I was going
0: to say, it's never a safe discussion for us to go there. So let's wrap up. So thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.